I think it's important that when we hear the chatter, we hear people talking and saying things to us that we have to understand that you have to do what's in your best interest, what's in the best interest of you and your family. Welcome to the Technology Equals Equality podcast. I'm your host, Lori Brooks, and this is episode 99, Self-Recognition, with Kelly Charles Collins. Hey, Techie community, welcome back and thank you so much for joining me here for episode 99, Self-Recognition with Kelly Charles Collins. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Kelly Charles Collins is the CEO of HR Legally Speaking, LLC. She has the unique ability to make difficult and sensitive topics more approachable. She's a powerhouse attorney and expert on disrupting unconscious bias, bystander interventions, and workplace investigations. Kelly leverages her 20 years of employment law experience, intuitive perspective, and engaging personality to empower leaders to stay on the right side of the next hashtag movement. Leaders love Kelly's practical tools that instantly improve companies' culture, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, and boost productivity while protecting their people and profit. She's the author of Ace Your Workplace Investigations, Speak, Silence is Not an Option, and Conversations Change Things, the perfect framework for courageous conversations. Kelly is also the founder of Ladies Who Leverage, a global women's community whose mission is to empower women to leverage their expertise, resources, and relationships to build their business, brand, and badassery. Under her brand coach, Kells, she's also the chief visioneer who empowers women to reverse engineer their visions into reality. Kelly and her award-winning TEDx talk, The Bystander Effect, Why Some People Act and Others Don't, have been featured on television and podcasts, and she's been quoted in several publications, including ABC, NBC, Forbes, and Fast Company. Listen in as Kelly and I chat about raising children while finding yourself and working towards your goals. Kelly, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We are super excited to dive into your journey as an entrepreneur. But before we do, I want to rewind the clock just a bit. I want to go back to the days of junior high or high school. (laughs) Think about when an elder would ask you what it is you were going to do when you grow up, what you wanted to be in the future. What did you think life was going to look like? Certainly not what it looks like now. I never had... um, any intention or any dream or desire to practice law. I never thought about um, owning my own business. I know that when I was a little girl, what I wanted to be was a bank lady, (laughs) right? Because in Jamaica, I grew up in Jamaica, and the bank ladies were always very well dressed, and there was a certain um, stature that they had and respect that they earned from people. And so I just wanted to be this bank lady. And then as I, you know, I moved to the United States when I was nine and in high school and junior high school, I, I had no idea. Um, I graduated from high school when I was 16. I went to college still not knowing what I wanted to do. 
Um, that's how I ended up with degrees in fashion and marketing and um, international business and finally, you know, went to law school. So I've never really had a set plan of I want to do this or be this when I grow up. I love that there wasn't a plan there. You were just allowing your journey to evolve because I think there's a lot of people out there, much like myself. There were things that I had random ideas of in junior high or high school. I thought I wanted to be a doctor at one point. Then I thought I wanted to be an accountant. And that's not even remotely close to what I'm doing right now at all in any way, shape or form. Now I'm consulting. We all take those like random twists and turns on how it comes about in our lives. So what did that look like for you? How did... Becoming an attorney become part of your journey? So as I said, I went to um, college when I was 16. I started out um, getting my degree in fashion merchandising because I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mom said, you love clothes, you love shoes, so do a degree in fashion. So, you know, we did that. And then, um, you know, I got my bachelor's degree in marketing, retail marketing. And then after um, I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I was starting my MBA program because, again, I was 20, still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, At the age of 20, though, um, on my way to get my master's degree, I got pregnant. And so I had to figure out what was going to happen next. And while I was in my MBA program, one day I was doing some homework and a friend of mine from high school called. And we were just talking and he said, um, he started talking about law school and that he was going to apply to law school. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) I was like, oh, I could go to law school. And, you know, I had been working at the, um, a trust company. I was in Providence, Rhode Island, and I had been working at this trust company and right next door was the courthouse. And, you know, on breaks or during lunch, I would go over to the courthouse and I loved just the pomp and circumstance of what was happening in the courthouse, but still never really thinking about wanting to be a lawyer until I had this conversation with my friend. And so he said he was going to go to law school. And I was like, okay, well, I can go to law school. So that day I just decided and declared I was going to go to law school. And I applied to one law school. I took the LSAT without studying for it. Didn't do well. (laughs) But I just knew that if I was going to go to law school, I would go to law school. And the reason that I only applied to one school, I probably would have done it anyway, but I was graduating with my MBA in November. And so I needed to start school in January. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wait because I knew if I waited, I probably wouldn't go. And there were two schools. And I think one was in Minnesota or somewhere really, really cold. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening. Providence is cold enough. And the other was San Francisco. So I applied to school in San Francisco and decided that if I was to be a lawyer, I would get accepted. So I got accepted and I've been practicing Well, Now I'm retired, but I practiced law um, for 24 years. That is an impressive journey. I love how it just came about from a conversation. It was was lack of thought to random idea to a passionate journey Mm -hmm. um, that took you through a 24-year journey in law and public speaking. And what do you feel were some of the hardest steps for you as you decided, okay, you know what? San Francisco it is. What do you feel like were some of the hiccups or the things that you experienced that you felt like were headaches or moments that you were like, no, maybe this wasn't, maybe this wasn't the right idea. What do you feel like those moments were? 
I don't think I had any ideas that talking about the practice of law or, you know, going to be a lawyer. I didn't, I don't have any regrets about any of that. I mean, one of the hardest things was that at the time, as I said, I was pregnant. So by the time it was, I was going to law school, I had a one and almost a half year old, right? And so I was moving from Providence to Miami to wait to see if I was getting accepted. And then I would have to go to law school in California. And so I had to make a decision and a sacrifice. And that decision and sacrifice was to leave my son in Miami to be raised by my mom and my sister while I went to law school. So for, you know, in that young part of his life, um, for two and a half years, as I went to law school, they raised him. I was not, you know, I was not being a mom in terms of being there every single day. So that was very hard. Um, but I don't regret any of that. I mean, you know, so many things happened, even when he was, you know, before I went to law school and, you know, not being able to afford to take care of him the way that I should, um, because I wasn't making enough money and having him to take him to work and put him under my desk because I couldn't afford, you know, babysitters and all that stuff. I don't, none of that stuff for me is re a regret. None of that stuff is like, oh, I would not do it the way that I did it before necessarily, because I don't think life is linear. And so I just go with what's there. And I have a saying, sit, don't stay. And it just means, you know, sit and acknowledge what has happened, get whatever lesson or whatever the praise is, and then just keep moving, right? We have to keep moving forward. And so for me, none of that, I mean, I, I don't regret any of those things. And as I think about where I am now, as far as being a speaker and a consultant and a trainer and a coach and all of those things, all of those things that have happened in my life are amazing to for stories, right? All of those things are ways in which I can um, communicate with other people, empathize with other people. Um, you know, I practiced law for 24 years, but in, in the time that I was practicing law, I've taught law school, I've taught the police academy, I've taught the corrections academy, I've, you know, run my own business. I've done all kinds of things in between that time. And so because being a lawyer has never been about who I am as a person, but what I did for a living. And because it wasn't like my lifelong dream to be a lawyer, I was always open to be able to doing other things. So my life has been, I have accomplished so much in my life outside of the practice of law, but also while practicing law. So it has been real, you know, it has been a great journey and I don't regret any of it. I absolutely love that. There was so much wrapped into that. So <laughs> for the audience's sake, I just want to say, first of all, I commend you because oh, you. the courage that it takes to take that step, to, to, to not walk away, but to say, okay, I know that you're safe. You're, you're going to be okay here with mom and my sister. And this is what's really necessary for us to have the future that I know is possible for us. It's such a scary thing to do. And it's such a moment of, I think, hesitation for a lot of women out there yeah. that, that in and of that, that soul peace, I just want to say, Congrats. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're awesome. 
awesome because the strength that it took to do that is not easily found. So surrounding yourself with the right people and making sure that you have that support system to provide you with the ability, the mindset and that structure to move forward is impressive. And and you did so with so many other different areas of your life that I'm sure were occurring. It's not just, oh, I have a child. There's (laughs) a million other things that you were dealing with at that point. So the fact that you were capable of of taking that shift to making that pivot for yourself is impressive. And Um, I think the other thing too, Lori, is not caring what other people think, right? right? So I say that what other people think about me is not my business. And so if I I think as women, especially moms, so I was a single mom, right? From the the time that I got pregnant, essentially, I was a single mom. And we worry that people are going to say, oh, you're not a good mom. Like, how dare you? How could you leave your child? Your child was only one and a half. And you know that you're supposed to be there during that time. And you're supposed to be there to nurture and And so because we take on what other people think is what we're supposed to do in our lives, then we don't do what we're supposed to do in our lives, right? And so in that moment, I, I, for me, it was just never about like what other people were thinking, but I can understand and I, and I know that that is what holds people back sometimes and particularly women hold us back in terms of what society thinks is a good mom, what society thinks is the right thing to do. I was being a good mom. I knew that when I was, it was me and him together and I was making $17,000 a year. It was me and him together with him underneath my desk because I could not afford childcare. So I could continue that way, right? And having to apply for government assistance and being denied and told that I was making too much money though I was not, right? Or- I could look to the future and understand that if I went to law school, that I had a better opportunity to never have to do that again, right? Hopefully never have, because we never know what could happen in life, but to hopefully not have to do that again and to provide an avenue for me and for him to have a better life. And so when we're thinking about those types of things, I think it's important that when we hear the chatter, we hear people talking and saying things to us that we have to understand that you have to do what's in your best interest, what's in the best interest of you and your family and move in that direction as opposed to what everybody else is thinking because they're going to go do what they want to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, definitely. You have to find a way to block out the noise. Yeah. Um, the weapons of mass distraction, you know, exist on all levels, be it electronic or in person. Um, you know, it can be family members, it could be friends, it could be members of your community in general. It could be your husband, um, it could be your it, wife, it could be your partner. There you go. They come and in it'll all definitely form. be your teenager. If you have one in the house, you better believe it'll be your teenager. I had one many years ago. Now he's almost 30, but you know, same thing. It doesn't change. They just get older. <laughs> there you go. Oh, goodness, it is the truth. But no, it, it it's interesting how, how that portion is just one of those areas where you never know who it is or what it is. But you have to be mindful to surround yourself with the right people that are going to support you, believe in you, and help you throughout that journey. Yeah. So what do you feel it was in your journey that really kind of sparked the pivot? You're here, you're a lawyer, you're practicing law, you're now doing well. You're, (laughs) you know, supporting your child. What was it for you that then sparked that pivot that made you decide there are things I need to speak about? Well, I mean, a lot of things have been happening in the world, but 
after being a trial lawyer for so many years, it's a very stressful um, existence. It's a 24 seven, 365 or 66 um, day a year profession. And I wanted to do something different. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> I had said before, I was only going to practice law for 10 years mm-hmm. and your words are powerful and almost at my 10th year, um, I lost my job <laughs> as wow. a lawyer. So you have to be careful what you say, but that was okay. Um, Cause I had to make a pivot then too. And I pivoted into being an entrepreneur. And then same for this. Um, I had just gotten to a point where I knew that I needed to do something different. I, under- I understand um, that my purpose in life is to be the light for others to step into their greatness. And so I knew that being in a law firm was not the way that that was going to happen. And it, it really was getting stressful around billing hours and, you know, getting up on Sunday and stressing about whether or not, you know, I had all my hours and I was going to get them in. And, you know, I just, I just, I really was over a lot of that. And so I had been planning for two years um, to leave. So that's why I started speaking. I, you know, I wrote my book, I did my TEDx, I had been preparing. And the day that I was told that I was fired, um, that morning I already knew because just in my soul, mm-hmm. my soul told me. And, and so I knew that that was happening that day. And so it didn't really impact me or affect me. It wasn't the timing that I wanted, right? I had decided I was going to leave actually in August of last year, but they decided that I was going to leave in December of 2019. And it was okay, right? It was, um, it was fine because I was being pushed. So I had to decide one foot in, one foot out, right? That's what you've been playing around with. And I think a lot of us do that, that we play around with that and think that we're comfortable (laughs) in our jobs um, and that that's a safety net. And what they did was to pull that from underneath me. And so I had to decide what I was going to do. Was I going to go back into that space because I've been doing it for so long? Or was I really going to just step into my purpose? And I decided that however scary it was, however uncertain it was, that that was what I was being called to do. That moment where you have to make that decision. You have to make that, you know, all right, this is what I'm doing. I don't have a choice to keep questioning or debating. And and now I'm being pushed in a direction that I kind of know is the right (laughs) direction. And you can kind of feel that it's the right direction. And like you said, you had already done your TEDx and written your book and you knew this was your direction but you needed that little bit of a push. And sometimes the universe does it in the craziest of ways, you know, it it truly does happen. So you had this push, you finally were like, okay, I'm doing it. (laughs) What were the first steps that you took from really building out your business? So I had already branded myself. So this is, I think this is part of it. And it's funny, um, by the time this comes out, it won't be um, the timing, but In Clubhouse, I'm going to be doing a discussion around transitioning from nine to five to entrepreneur. What I had been doing was planning it underneath, right? I was, even though the timing wasn't what I had hoped for, I had already laid a foundation to be able to, to hit the ground running. So back when I started and decided that this is what I wanted to do, I hired a coach so that somebody who was in the speaking business, somebody who was doing what it is I had aspired to do, right? In the, at the level that I aspired to do it. 
um, so that she could teach me what it meant to be in the speaking business, right? Mm. So people speak, right? You have public speakers and you have professional speakers, right? People who are getting paid to speak. So I, I did that. I hired a coach. I already knew kind of what I wanted my brand colors to be and, you know, how I was going to start branding myself. And so, you know, we developed, made sure that I had a website and that I had a presence. And then, you know, I would speak at different things. And it's funny because when I did transition out, people were like, oh, I thought you had been doing this for years full time. <laughs> because I had created such a presence, which mm -hmm. wasn't easy to do practicing law full-time, right? But you have to, if you don't know, then you need to find out. So when I decided that I wanted to be in this business, I joined the National Speakers Association. They had a, an academy. I had been speaking for 20 something years. I didn't need them to teach me how to speak. I needed them to teach me the business of speaking. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I went into the academy when I wanted to do my TEDx. I had to hire a coach so that she could teach me how to get through that. Again, I had been speaking forever, speaking at a TEDx and speaking in front of a jury are two different things. Right. And so it's understanding that even though you have certain skill sets and you've done certain things, when you're moving into a different space, you have to, like you had said earlier, Lori, surround yourself with the right people. Right. And some, and it costs money. Right. Yeah, so it certainly does. Right. And people don't, and, and people balk at that and they don't want to pay the money and oh, I don't need a coach or whatever. Well, you don't need a coach. Right. Right. Invest. But you can, you can have a coach and mm -hmm. invest in a coach and get there faster, or you can make all the mistakes, spend all your money and then say, oh my gosh, I wish I had a coach. Now I need a coach, but you've already spent all the money that could have helped you go forward. So I think it's really about planning and understanding. And you don't have to have all the answers. And I didn't have everything in, in place. You know, I hired that coach. Then I had a, hired another coach to help me really hone my messaging so that I, you know, um, so that I was known for what I wanted to speak about. So sometimes you have to hire different coaches. Like currently I have four coaches, mm -hmm. right? And the reason I have four coaches is because they're all teaching me different things and it costs money. And I want to spend all that money, but I also realize that the goal that I have set for myself I need those people to show me the way. How do I get there? And so again, yes, surrounding yourself, you know, by all with all of these people. Um, you know, I created a, a women's group, ladies who leverage, because I understand that too. So I created this space so that these women could be surrounded by other women who are doing the things that they want to do, or just to have the support and you know, to be able to ask questions and to have somebody, you know, to talk to. So I think that's, you know, it's really, it's really about planning. It's about seeing the vision, right? And so that's the end. So begin with the end in mind. And then I'm a master at reverse engineering. So anything that I visualize, I can get to. So being able to see what that vision is and then going back and saying, what, what are the things that I need? Who are the people, the resources, and the relationships, the, the, the resources, the relationships, and the expertise really that I need in order to be able to get to where I want to go. Definitely. I love the concept of reverse engineering. It's actually mm -hmm. something that I talk about quite often. You know, most of the biggest, best business owners out there did exactly that. It's yep, that yep. concept of accessing, you know, a reverse engineered mindset, a mindset in which you've already accomplished the goal. You're just working back through it, 
versus trying to figure out how to get started. So that's definitely something that that we preach to on a regular over oh, here. Good. 100%. <laughs> so what do you feel were some of the things that... Um, Really, what do you credit your success to as a speaker, as a trainer, as a consultant, as an attorney? What do you feel was one of the bigger things that helped you throughout life? Understanding who I am and understanding my power. Um, One of the things I know is that I belong everywhere I am. And so I don't question. uh, I, I don't have you know, feelings of inadequacy. I don't have feelings of, even if I'm the only one in the room, I don't think about it as tokenism because I just believe that I belong there. And I think that self-belief and knowing, um, you know, that I can do anything that I put my mind to. So if I want to accomplish it, I can. If I don't, it's because I don't want to. Um, I think that's it. You know, I had to do a, a keynote speech um, the other day, and it was about, you know, success and coming back. And I, for me, what beli- lies beneath my success is me, right? And some people might say, oh, that's so arrogant. That's so, no, it's me, right? It's me understanding who I am, where I want to go, and what I need, and who I need to help me get there. Recognition of self, mm-hmm. definitely. Recognition of self, because when you don't have the clarity as to who you are and what it is you're working towards, it's really difficult to follow any path anywhere. You know, I preach to taking baby steps on a regular basis, you know, but you have to have a goal. And you have to have a clear vision. (laughs) Yes, a a very clear vision to get to that, to to actually take the baby steps in the right direction. Otherwise, even if you are taking baby steps, they're kind of arbitrary because you're just going all over the place. Right, you're just doing stuff to do stuff. Exactly, exactly. It's important to recognize where you want to be. Otherwise, I call it productive procrastination. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I call it rabbit pulling, but... (laughs) I love that one too. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, Kelly, tell us about your, your coaching and your consulting and your speaking practice, please. I train employees, so leaders and employees on unconscious bias, bystander intervention, workplace investigations, and courageous conversations. That Those are my areas of expertise when it comes to training and consulting. When it, As it relates to um, coaching, I am all about empowering women. That is my <laughs> goal in life, to empower women and young girls. And so my coaching is my coaching practice. See, I use the word practice for you. Sorry. That's all right. (laughs) My coaching is Coach Kells. And my goal is to help people to transform any vision they have into reality. So to teach them what I call my visionary design loop that is about uh, reverse engineering to get you there. Because I think it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. It's a skill. And if you learn it, you can do it all the time. It's repeatable. Mm-hmm. It's something, mm-hmm. you know, it's what I've done my entire life. Whenever anything's happened, or if I have a vision, if I want to do anything, it's what I constantly do. Um, and so my coaching is around that. People are always calling me, what do I do? How do I do it? So at my core, I'm a strategist in terms of helping people to move from A to B. It's really moving from B to A to B, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we already know where we need to go. We're just going to, we're going to get there. We're going to do the work to get there. And, you know, I was trying not to be a coach (laughs) 
really, I was trying not to be, but the women and ladies who leverage are like, you coach us all the time, you should really coach. And so I've developed um, this six week program called an incubator, the visionary incubator that will help, um, that will empower and teach people exactly what I do all the time, which is to reverse engineer um, visions into reality. I love that. Did the audience hear how the universe pulled out yet another piece for her? <laughs> so no, 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 Kelly. <laughs> you still no got more work to do. <laughs> Yeah. Whether you like it or not, there are people still calling out and needing the assistance. Yeah. So yeah, the universe will call you. It's going to call you out when the time is right and they need you. Yeah. So definitely that's outstanding work that you're doing. What was it that sparked the interest in the workplace? Was that a part of what you were doing in your um, when you were a lawyer prior to retiring the, the practice? Or- yes, so as an employment lawyer, I was an employment lawyer for 20 something years. So representing okay. organizations on, you know, discrimination, harassment, retaliation, all of those things. So it was just a natural kind of transition. Perfect. Awesome. That's what I thought. That is outstanding. That's that's a very interesting space to, to kind of fall into. So mm-hmm. I totally get it. And that's kind of what I was assuming, but yeah. outstanding. That is excellent work and kudos to you because again, people so need that assistance <laughs> of making sure that the workplace is a place where you can feel empowered because yes. oftentimes it's not. So if you had the opportunity to go back, say, five to 10 years or even back Mm -hmm. to December of 2019 Mm -hmm. and tell yourself just one thing. What do you think that one thing would be? You got this. (laughs) You do. I love it. Yes. Just have the strength, the confidence, move forward. You got Mm -hmm. it. So the show is really designed to help entrepreneurs come up with an idea for a business in an industry that they may not have been thinking of. So in, you know, employment law, in your speaking, in your coaching, if you could go ahead and wave a magic wand and change anything at all operationally, Mm -hmm. what do you feel that would be and how do you feel it would affect the industry? Operationally within my business or... It doesn't have to be within your business, but it can be something that you feel like would. Well, really what I would like to do now, right? If I was, if I, if I could go back and really just decide how this was going to play out instead of being a, a trainer in, you know, in companies and going to different companies, I would, and this is something that I'm working on, but I would have started out with just having these conversations as like town halls and bringing people together and bringing people out of their different spaces to engage in these types of discussions. You know, I just, I I think it's just having gone through what we've gone through with George Floyd in the past um, year, I see, and I've known the value of conversations, but I really understand now deeply the value of creating safe spaces for people to have difficult conversations and to ask questions that they wouldn't think to dare ask like out in the you know in the open or ask somebody that they that they didn't know they don't know me but I've created spaces where they will ask me those questions so operationally I think that in terms of not just doing it like you know one um, employer at a time, but on a, a bigger, a bigger level. I like that. Which I'm working on. Yay. 
<laughs> well, hopefully you will definitely give us an update as that project evolves. So no, that's an outstanding one. I love that really creating those safe spaces on a larger scale because they are definitely necessary. Mm-hmm. As you said, as we've witnessed throughout the course of this past year, not just with George, but in multiple other areas yeah. of, of the country. And, and unfortunately continuing through, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we've had a lot of different areas that create, you know, moments of, of question and, and discomfort for a lot of people. So to create those safe spaces where people are capable of conversing, asking questions and opening up to one another is is super important in this day and age. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for creating and working towards that. I look forward to seeing that in the future. Kelly, you have been outstanding and I truly appreciate you joining us today. Please oh, share the best. Me. Certainly, certainly. Please share the best way for our listeners to find you. If you want to find me with regards to my speaking, it's kellycharlescollins.com. If you want to talk to me about coaching, then it would be Coach Kells with a Z. So K-E-L-Z.com. And if you just want to hang around a bunch of badass women who can support you to help you leverage your expertise, your resources and relationships, then join us on Facebook at Ladies Who Leverage Public. Awesome. Ladies who leverage public. I will be sure to include a link to all of those through the show notes page. You have been wonderful, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kelly, thank you again for sharing your time, energy, and wisdom with the community. I truly enjoyed. And techie community, if you're an employer looking to improve your company culture, or better yet, if you're an employee looking to develop a safer space in your workplace, reach out to Kelly Charles Collins at kellycharlescollins.com, or you can always reach her through our show notes page at technology-equality.com com forward slash Kelly Charles Collins. Thank you once again for joining me here for episode 99. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Until our next episode, when we continue to hear the journey, find the pain and create solutions. Enjoy the week.